Hello, hello. Greetings. 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 Hey, everybody. This is Evan Layton with H-Town Happy Hour. Derek Dio Televi, H-Town Happy Hour, number one podcast in the world. Number one podcast in the world. Let them know. And our very special guest for you today, we have... Pat Lane. Pat Lane. Pat Lane. So, uh, what do you do, Pat Lane? Well, I'm very retired. Yes, sir. But, but I recently wrote my first book. Okay. Well, this is my first podcast, so I guess this is my first road. <laughs> well, welcome cool. to the welcome to the team, man. We're here, man. Yeah. We're here. Yeah. You said you wrote a book, huh? Now I've heard about a lot of these stories, but what is the name of your book? Before the stories are lost. They're just the, the cameras. Like Pat Lane. Those stories, if I don't write them down, they're gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, those men are all gone. Yeah. And uh, and I was just fortunate enough. I was. 18 years old, I landed right in the middle of that. Yeah. And my stepdaddy, why well, he he got after them deer. Mm-hmm. My great uncle Sam has been getting after them since 1910. <laughs> so this this isn't something that just brand new fell in your lap. It's not like you went hunting last weekend and now you're uh, wrote a story about it. This has been going on in your yeah. life for a long time. I think uh, I think it's important to ask just so everyone knows what what exactly is the book about. Well, it's got some history because once this gets away from South Texas, yeah, there's just no way people are going to understand how big those places are and how they came about. Mm-hmm. So in the front part of the book, I just kind of wrote a brief history of South Texas, how the ranches were formed from a 50,000-foot view. Mm-hmm. And like I say, I'll let you all make your own mind up because mine's prejudice. Yeah. I know the truth. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I remember you, you know, you've kind of talked about that a lot. And I mean, it's something that we've also, we're seeing a little bit of history is kind of being etched away little by little daily. So something like this, you know, um, at what, what sort of, uh, is it because you needed these stories to, you know, I'm be just, told? Because is it things that are, are kept away from the public eye? Is that what's in here? You know, history's been sanitized and they, they don't tell the truth about how that ranch was formed and this yeah. and that. And uh, if you get down south in the Oasis River and you get a hold of some people that, you know, that live there, mm-hmm. with gray hair, mm-hmm. let them read the book and ask them, is he telling a lie? And they'll say, hell no, it's the first time I ever heard tell the truth. So so it's a, it's a, it's a collection of stories. I'm doing, it's uh, about a ranch you're saying? Or well, can you... it's all those big ranches down there. The King Ranch, yeah. the Kennedy. Yeah. I mean, back then it was called Tom East, but now it's East Foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's just a plethora of big ones down there. There's the King Ranch, almost 900,000 acres. Yeah. The Kennedy's 440,000 acres. Mm. And really, when you get to it and you start talking about the East Foundation, the Santa Fe, and all that ranch down there, mm-hmm. well, Tom T. East Sr. married uh, the granddaughter of Captain King mm-hmm. in 1915. He, before that, he was just driving cattle on leased land. Little band of gold. He got to own it. Yeah. Well, um, so really, really, they're kind of connected to the King and the Clayburg clan. You know. Yeah. They keep their distance, but they're one. So, now, the same. so what is the time frame of this? Whenever the stories, whenever this is, like, what's the time frame of it? Well, like I said, my great uncle Zenas and, and Grandpa Hornsby got in that country in 1906. And uh, like I said, they started hearing stories, knowing people from both sides of the river. Been mm-hmm. there since the Civil War. And their stories, wow. their stories are not the same as what you read about in the history book. Of course not. Well, of course, of course not. I tell you another thing, it's because they were church of God. Buddy, they go to the kitchen drawer and get the dullest butter knife they could find, cut their damn tongue out before they tell a lie. Because it's one of the big ten, you know, you don't do them things. Oh, yeah, the big ten commandments. Oh, yeah. I mean, these men were deep in their religious faith but that didn't keep them from going to get some meat well i mean that's the natural that's the natural selection i mean we have to eat you know you kill to eat and that's what we did down there until mm-hmm. i quit in 1983 when they changed the law mm-hmm. and i go into what happened there's some very rich powerful people in this state not gonna like this but you know if the truth hurts i'm sorry man i well i'm happy you're, i'm happy you're able to tell it with a smile on your face because you know, there are a lot of people who want it to be watered down. They don't want the truth oh, out oh there. No. They don't want the truth out there. And people like you who are putting stories out like this with the truth, it's going to contradict a lot of the things that they've said, huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. So what, what, what exactly law are we talking about that changed? It was called the, the Conservation Act of 1983. Yeah. 
since Texas was a republic, yeah. it said in the Constitution then that the flora and the fauna of the state of Texas belonged to the citizens of the state of Texas. Yeah. Well, in 1983, they changed that. They said, no, where that, that animal is, it belongs to that landowner. You know, and that was okay, because guess what? Deer go through a four-strand of barbed wire fence. Yeah. But once that old boy cap high fence started throwing them things up, yeah. well, well, they th took control, complete ownership of them. Yeah. And oh, no, now I, I, you look what they're doing to them. You know, they're dang genetically mutating those deer. They're not, that's not normal. They ain't look like that. I hunted 50 years ago on that ranch. I've seen some damn good deer and killed some. They didn't look like that. Yeah. What you, so what do you mean? What are they doing to them? What like? I have no idea, but it's the feed and and, yeah. and all that kind Pumping of stuff. With steroids probably in the Pumped food something. and stuff or something like that. It's it, it it's just. I Hormones. saw one on Instagram just the other day. This dadgum deer, his head was hanging. That the horns were up and down. It was so heavy he couldn't keep his head up. His head would drop. Oh no. Yeah, I'm thinking to myself, where's Peta? You know, <laughs> you know, where's the, where's the pedophiles at? Right. I mean, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's wrong, mm -hmm. you know? But the shocking thing is there's people willing to pay a huge sum of money to go out there and shoot one of them things and hang them on their wall. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't fault anybody for what they want to do, and they mm -hmm. go do whatever they do. I'm a bit of a libertarian when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. yeah. I just don't want for my wall. Yeah. And I haven't, I haven't shot a deer with a rifle in so long. I haven't deer hunted 15 years. So now whenever you were writing the book, were you getting like nostalgic times? Were you missing it? Were you wanting to get back out there and load up another rifle and go get it again? No, not no. at all, Evan. But it was, I mean, I'm 67 years old. You well, know? you don't look it, man. I know, but, but you've seen what I used to look like, mm -hmm. you know, four years ago. I was right. a big old fat man. I made a big change in my life. Well, I mean, you were working out a lot, you know, that, that was a huge thing for you. But... Every day, I had to get out of that house. Mm -hmm. My wife, that COVID stuff, she's working at home. Oh, that, <laughs> that job, her, was like a reality TV show. Oh, yeah. my God. And I had to get out of there. Well, after I run through all the wood that I had in my shop, you've seen mm -hmm. my little wood shop, I had to do something. Yeah. So I started writing. And once I did, man, this old man had to go out there and get himself back a half century ago. Hell, I felt like a kid all day long. I was floating around. Sometimes my wife would come out there and it'd be dark. Uh -huh. Are you coming in tonight? <laughs> man, I'm writing, girl. Leave me alone. I'm yeah, writing, man. I'm, I'm on fire right now. See, yeah. that's what I'm saying, man. It just starts free-flowing. Once mm -hmm. you start writing it down, I mean, we had somebody on uh, a few weeks ago. His name was Outspoken Bean, and we asked him. I asked him, it's like, what do you say to people who have writer's block? Mm -hmm. He goes, bullshit. Mm -hmm. That's what I have to say, man. Because once you start going, I'm sure you can attest to this, having writing, you know, writing a book. It just naturally, it just almost flows out easily. Mm -hmm. And then once you put stuff down, then you can, that's when you can start to make it amend it, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, what would you say your favorite story in, in here is? How many, how many stories are you, are there? Uh, I think there's, well, accounting the history, I think there's about eight or nine history stories. Mm -hmm. and, and then, oh, there's 41 or two hunting stories, different ones. Mm -hmm. It start with Carlisle Knoll. Carlisle Knoll. Carlisle Knoll. And that's, that's a, a really a great place to start because mm -hmm. this was 1910 and uh, that old man ain't nobody liked him oh he was rough he was half breed uh some kind of indian you know he didn't like nobody he didn't like himself but that man figured he's indian he'd go hunt anywhere he wanted to he pulled his truck up on the side of the road king ranch just jump fence well they side days gonna make an example out of him and when he come out packing a dang summer buck you know there they were, uh -huh. and they took him to Clayburg County Jail. Well, it went off from there. And he went to cussing, and he called that jailer everything in the world, couldn't get no action out of him, so he reverted to the sheriff. When he started tearing the sheriff up, and finally that guy called that sheriff and said, man, this guy's talking about your daughter and everything else. You know? mm -mm. Well, I'm mm -mm. gonna come down there and beat him up. You know, minute he come into that, that jail, before he could open his mouth, Carlisle Knoll, just famous words. He said, Mister, you can't keep me in here forever for killing a damn deer. And when I get out, I said, I'll kill every Santa Gertrude's bull I can see within rifle shot of the road. <laughs> every what? Every Santa Gertrude's bull. That's the King Ranch bulls, see? Okay. That's their breed. And, uh, and the response from the man then, because Captain King was dead, mm -hmm. we're talking 1910, he died in 18, 1885. Uh, 
it was Robert Justice Clayburg Jr., which was the first of the Claybergs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he let those old boys know. He said, you know, give that man his deer back. And wow. don't mess with him anymore because one of my bulls is worth more than a whole ranch full of deer. Well, Padna, the juxtaposition is different now because the King Ranch ain't in the cattle business. Yeah. Biggest ranch in Texas. Mm, ain't the cattle business. What do you mean? I drove completely. Am I going to pull this thing off here? <laughs> I drove completely pull, pull around. Mike pull Michael. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, close to <clears throat> I drove completely around the Santa Gertrudis Division just two weeks ago to mm -hmm. go see my mama mm -hmm. into my only retail outlet in South Texas, right there home. Mm -hmm. And this cousin of mine's got the Texas grub wagon. So y'all between <laughs> Val Furious and- I like that name. And oh yeah, he's salt of the earth too. And, and But that's my only retail outlet. I got a sign just for all the locals that are yeah. still there. He said they come in there buying two or three at a time. You no. know, give them to their friends. Now, now when was this, when did you put this out? When did this get put out officially? About a couple, like a month ago, right? Well, not, 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 not even. Two, two, two and a half weeks ago. About mm. two and a half weeks. And I, these, from what I've heard, they, they've just been flying. We've done pretty good. My, my webmaster, SEO, says it's a soft start because mm -hmm. now I'm getting hard start. You know? mm -hmm. yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of other folks out there that Charlie's already been on, mm -hmm. and they're going to be looking at this. Yeah. You know, and they're going to size me up. You know, and see if they can handle me and get me on their show. <laughs> I wrote a letter to a fellow named Patrick Durkin. Now, mm -hmm. he's a contributing editor for uh, The Meteor. Mm -hmm. And and I wrote him. I said, well, this is the book. You know, please have at it. I said, if I'm too hot to handle, I said, just give me to Joe Rogan. I said, he wants something. <laughs> just hand me off to the, to yeah, the highest guy in Yeah, there. just give me to him. I said, he'd love to go out and bang, you mm -hmm. know, because I got another story. And that's about me being luckiest man in the world. But that history in there that belongs to those people down there yeah because they know it they yeah. know it to be true but they, they grew up in the shadow of the king ranch 50 years ago you had to keep your mouth shut they had power yeah Other, even if fish won't get caught if he keeps his mouth closed <laughs> that's even if fish won't get caught if he keeps his mouth that, closed. that was my first lesson learned mm -hmm. you know, a lot of those guys <laughs> that did that stuff and see there was a lot of guys doing it but they talked you get talked, you're going to get caught. Well, doing I mean, what? doing what? Outlaw hunting, jumping the fence on King Ranch, go get some meat. Yeah. You know, and that was the difference between the guy you said you wanted to know when you tell me, I'll, I'll talk about him a little bit. But there's a big difference between me and Charlie. Mm -hmm. Now, we're best of friends. But that man, he wasn't outlaw. He yeah. wasn't a bandit. He's a prince of poachers. That sucker, he did things I'm telling you nobody else has ever done. Yeah. Now, are some of those things that have never been done before, are they noted in this book? Oh, I got a story about Charlie Beatty in there. Okay. And then there's two stories in his book. While I was writing it, you know, Charlie and I, we keep track of each other. <clears throat> he called me. He said, Pat, you know, there's two stories nobody believes. And I said, which one's that? He said, both ones you're in. <laughs> and I said, you mean that runaway truck? And he goes, yeah, they don't believe that. I said, well. What do you mean a runaway truck? Well, well yeah, I needed, I, I needed to get clued in now. It's a story, but we were down 77, and was I was wanting to kill a big nail guy. Uh-huh. I've killed me a couple of them. I'll never kill another one. They ain't that good to eat. I'd rather shoot a cow or calf. They're better. Uh -huh. ca nail guy, cow or calf. I'm not a livestock wrestler. Well, ain't nothing. I ain't done nothing since 1983. Mm -hmm. But anyhow... We'd seen a bull, but it was right by the Norius gate. And there's a guard on it. Yeah, you know, we, can we can't touch this guy, you know? We went on past and come back, and I was driving, and Charlie said, look out, man, look up. And here's a dang truck coming in my lane. Mm -hmm. There ain't nobody in it. And, my, and the car goes by. Well, it was somebody dragging that thing to Mexico, you know, to sell it. Um, yeah. And man, I had to weave this way, and then whang you back, you know, to get from I was head on. Yeah. But that dang truck came right across my lane, right down the bar ditch, and slammed into the Norris <laughs> gate. <laughs> and that's what he says, has a bit of luck. Yeah. They got some commotion on down there, Charlie. I just slipped up there and put one right there in his <laughs> neck and killed him, you know. Mm -hmm. But getting a full grown nail guy bull out that weighs 900 pounds is just like a full grown, A full grown what? A nail guy bull. Yeah, okay. big ones will go eight, 900 pounds. Wow. Yeah. 
And see, Charlie, when he hunted, he, you know, he was trophy hunting. Mm -hmm. yeah. He scalped them off. He ate what he could and left the rest for the coyotes. Oh, man. Wow. But I can't do that. It's a circle of life, man. Circle yeah, of life. I, I, but he was a trophy hunter. That's what he was in there for, you know. And uh, I don't fault him. Back in those days, man did what he thought he was big enough to get away with. Yeah. You know, and you just, I, I just stood back and admired him. I said, God dang, look what he'd do. I, I said in my book, just, just imagine this. The guy drops you off at night, mm -hmm. you know, probably midnight, with a backpack and a rifle. He hops the fence. He goes 15 miles deep before he ever thinks about stopping. He builds his camp. Oh, and then he stays there for 27 days with what he carried in. I'm telling you, SEAL Team 6, some of them rang the bell. They couldn't, they couldn't hung with him. Oh, wow. It was like that. There's three things down there that are real bad, especially underneath that canopy uh -huh. in the Kennedy. And they're called penalillos, garropatos, and pulgas. And that means chiggers, ticks, and fleas. Yeah. And you sleep with them for 27 days. I'm telling you, you know, you're you going to start mad. You're <laughs> eaten alive by those guys. Charlie said at the end of that 27-day hunt, he still didn't want to come out. I believe him. But Just I living wrote, off the I land. wrote a lot of those. I rewrote those two stories. You know, mm -hmm. one's called... Uh, uh, foot race with a pronghorn revisited because mm -hmm. they didn't believe he ran that antelope down, but he dang sure did. Mm -hmm. I was there. <laughs> and then that runaway truck, well, I wrote the prelude to the runaway truck where it just bledens together, you know, mm -hmm. and it kind of tells that funny story, you know. Yeah, he was he was something else, man. I'm telling you that. Well, he's on fire right now. Didn't he say he also wrote a book as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's him right That's there. Him right there, Prince of Poachers. The Prince of Poachers, Part One, and the whole dang world is waiting for this man to get mm -hmm. Part Two out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean everybody. I think in the meantime, what they can do is probably read before the stories are lost, though, right? Oh yeah. And yeah. and if they wanted to get a, get a book, what do they got to do for it? Well, I mean, this is why I'm doing what I did. You know, I said I brought, why I brought his book. You know, when I got when you take a girl to dance, you're supposed to dance who you brought, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, hell, he brought me. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Ain't nobody knows who I am. Ain't nobody. You know, I'm just a lucky kid that landed down there in the middle of that when the good time. Uh -huh. But I had sense enough to quit in 83 when they changed the law. Because there never been a deer gonna, worth going to jail for. Did you, get, did you know some of your, like, your old friends that got <clears throat> in trouble for that, though? Like, did, did they not, like, abide by the rules? Because, granted, a lot of these stories were whenever you're like, you know, we're not following the rules anyway. But whenever they made it big, big-time penalty... Did you have some buddies that, were, that got caught up in well, it? Well, Charlie did. He finally okay. got caught in 98. And oh, well, they threw the book at him and everything. Took his hunting license, guns, all his trophies. There's a whole story behind that. Some of that's coming in part two. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I'm not going to step on a man's story. Yeah, gotcha. Believe me, I know it. Yeah. But I can tell you these, these stories that people don't doubt and everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Buddy, I was getting after action reports. Mm. When he come out of mm. that ranch and been in there two weeks, <laughs> he said, "Man, this hey, is what happened." Yeah. Ain't gonna believe what I did. <laughs> oh, it was just like I said. We just stood back and admired him. Mm -hmm. So y'all would just go out in King Ranch and camp out and outlaw hunt. Not me. Oh. I know. I have never jumped that fence yeah. in my life yeah. with the intention to spend the night there on purpose. Uh, yeah, no, I got gotcha. But he would go seven days, ten days, twenty uh, days. He made a twenty-seven day hunt. That yeah. is insane. Oh, it's total. That's insane. And I said, my book difference is I was wild as hell. But the minute I met him, I knew he was completely feral. Yeah. You know, he had to be <laughs> to do the things just he did. Just savage, just savage. Oh, oh. But he's a good a person you'd ever want to meet. Mm -hmm. give you. Kind of the person that you want on your team. You don't want to be against the guy. What? No, what drew me to this man? Uh -huh. Most people that's read his book, and he's sold quite a few of them. He's been on all these giant podcasts and mm -hmm. stuff like that. What drew me to him was his talent. The man is the most, he's the most incredible taxidermist I've ever seen. I've been on four continents. I've been in this stuff since I was about that big. Is he the one that did some of the ones at your, at your house also? That one okay. shoulder mount yep. won best to show at some mm -hmm. dang thing. And then that life, front half life size Audad, there's only two of them in the world. Hmm. Mine and Ted Nugent. <laughs> wow. That's, that, wow. He mounted at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, mine was a little bit different because mine was a free-ranging animal, and his was shot in one of those high-fence places. Mm -hmm. I, I just, you know, I like doing that. Is know? that, does he, is, is the taxidermy for him a hobby, or is that his profession? All his life. 
the, this kid, when he was young, could have gone to the Natural History Museum to redo their birds of prey. He's incredible. Mm -hmm. I, I've never seen anybody like it. Yeah. He's he's just freaking amazing. Man, yeah, no, I was, I mean, I. I was watching you. You know, I've, I I got to read some of the stories. You know what I mean? Before they're even put out. Before mm -hmm. the stories were put out, mm -hmm. I got to read up on some of them, man. And I mean, just uh, you know, the excitement that you had of of writing it, man. I mean, you're talking about it all the time, and uh, you know, I mean, have you been getting good? I mean, have the people that have been reading on it have they been saying the same thing that they love it? They, uh, they are you getting positive reviews from your your peers? Right before I came, I'm God's truth. Huh very good friend of mine uh, Mark and Tina, Tina Schaefauer well Mark he invented a thing called bait butter mm -hmm. and it's fancy it's bait bucket you ever seen your life well he works at NASA he's the guy they bring you know like in what was it Tom Cruise and this round thing square thing here put this together so uh -huh. they get the hell out of here I'll figure it <laughs> out you know, he's the genius behind that mm -hmm. stuff I gave it to him yesterday his wife said he's been consumed with it he called me before I left and he said Pat I can hear your voice while I'm reading the story. I said the same thing right here. He said, you got to do an audio book, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm going, hell, I didn't think about that, you know? Yeah. Because uh, well, nobody likes to hear their own voice first time. Well, I, it sounds well, weird when you hear yeah, your own voice. Yeah, it sounds weird. No, I always say, I'm just like, I, every time I listen to me talk, like or a voicemail, or if I leave a voicemail for someone, I'm like, dude, I sound like the biggest idiot. Who would want to <laughs> listen to me talk? And then here I am on the show. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but at the same time, I mean... Uh, you know, you absolutely do. Mm -hmm. Because I, it was funny, while I was, even on one of the videos that you put, it was, uh, you showed me a video of you talking about the book, and I was mm -hmm. like, that's not doing you justice. Because mm -hmm. you do, you, I, you have, you know, you're a storyteller, like you said. You're a storyteller, so you gotta, you know, you, you, you live through your words like that. That's, that's how come, uh, I guess Mark liked it, because I, I write the same way I talk. Because mm -hmm. I'm not a writer, I mean, I'm not, Missioner or mm -hmm. anybody like that. Right, 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 I'm a right. storyteller. Right. And I just wrote the stories the way I tell. Well, well yeah, no, and they're absolutely raw too. That's <laughs> the best part about it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure as you were writing it, you're sitting there going, "Oh man, they're gonna love this. They're gonna love this. This is quality stuff. <laughs> this is, yeah." Really, I was laughing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was reliving that stuff again and laughing about it. And of course, there was. There's a couple stories in there I write that was difficult for me to write. I mean, because it, you know, I knew some things were changing, and it, and it kind of hurt me, you know. And I had some stories like that that were difficult to write, but most of it was just, but it was just fun. Well, and also, I mean, just to be able to get out your, uh, you know, just to get out everything that you've always been telling stories about too, mm -hmm. just to put it out on paper. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like with writing, for me, I do like to write, mm -hmm. you know? And I was just telling Joe, uh, Joe uh, on our ones and twos over here, I was telling him that uh, I forgot my notebook today. Mm -hmm. And he was like, come on, you're the note-taking guy, man. Because whenever, whenever I write stuff down, it becomes real, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, and also, man, just trying to juggle all that stuff up in my, in my head doesn't really work out too well. And, you know, it's almost like therapeutic to write. No, did, I, did you I, feel like that with this? Oh yeah, it was very good. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, like I said, I had more fun doing that, and I, I can't remember having that much fun. Mm -hmm. But it was because it made me feel young again and remember all that stuff, you know. Did you? Uh, how, how long did you? Or did you always know you were going to write a book at the time, or does this how did it kind of come about? Well, I, I said I've always wanted to. I always said I was going to. And like I said, and that COVID stuff, and then you know, I end up running out of wood, and my back went out. Mm. I couldn't do much physically, so I got me a recliner in that in my shop, and I put my <laughs> laptop there, and I started writing, and and it was just it filled the days up. It took me about three or four months. And, mm -hmm. uh, but then, you know, then I had to wait for artists. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, talk about some of the artwork that you have well, in the book. It, it, it's not just that; it's everything. It's mm -hmm. somebody. I got spirit guide. I'm telling you, it's just been pushing me around to do this. Yeah. When I got through writing, I said, well, I need to get somebody to edit this thing. Well, I got a little buddy, and uh, he's got a college degree, and he's a smart guy, marketing fellow and all that stuff. I said, here, little buddy, read this for me. And he came back, and if you finished, he said, man, he said, you got a lot of information in there. And I said, well, there's a lot in history. And he said, well, but your stories and stuff, too. And he said, I kind of liked it. He said, but you need pictures. 
And I said, okay, I'm going to have to find me a sketch artist. Because mm-hmm. they didn't take pictures back then. Right, you know? right, 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 right. And I tried two or three different people, and I couldn't, you know, get something. And plop, it just plopped down. There's a couple, this great lady, her name's Mari Marquez Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. She worked with my wife for years. And, uh, and her husband, Raul, well, they've got a little girl. Her name's Anastasia Gonzalez. I've known her since she was three or four. And uh, her mother said, oh, I believe Anastasia would love to do that for you. But I had to wait till she got out of middle school. <laughs> yeah. She I was had, in middle school? Yeah. And I had to wait summertime. She got out of middle school. Mm-hmm. Well, she's 13 years old. Wow. And now she's 14 now. And next year, we're going to have a quinceanera. I'm telling you. <laughs> for that little girl where she can properly come out. But I'm telling you, the world has not seen yet what she can do. Now, it is freaking amazing. Now, if we take a look at this picture right here on the back, uh, Pat, you want to talk about that a little bit? Because I remember whenever you were saying, <laughs> "I want to get, I want to get a picture of me jumping over the fence with the rifle in hand." Yeah, and you know, do, doing your uh, song and dance on it, and then and now just yeah, talk about well, that. That's just it. I mean, I just would go over there to her house, you know, escort her. She's a thirteen year old girl, and my right. mom, my wife was there, and her her mother was there, and and I tell her a story or two. A few days, she starts sending me a picture. Mm. And I, it just blows my life. Because what's beautiful about that is just how what she perceives it. And I'm not a visual or a spatial person. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I don't have any talent. Hell, I got to use a ruler to draw a stick man. You know? <laughs> and uh, it just blew me away. It mm-hmm. just really, really did. And it was, uh, it was a lot. Like I said, and in, in our days, because we weren't really trophy hunting like that, well, we was after the biggest ones we could find. Mm-hmm. But nine times out of ten, them horns got sawed off, and we threw them over there on a horn pile next to the burn barrels on the north side of the fence. Let the rats eat them. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many do you need to hang your hats on? You know, when you're killing quite a few every year mm-hmm. you know, to keep your belly full? I mean, enough's enough. Right, like how, like how many trophies do you really need, right? Kind of like that? Well, I mean, we, were, we wanted the meat. You know, mm-hmm. we were going to eat, you know. I mean, that was a way of life, and I wasn't the only person doing that. There was a whole bunch of people doing it. Well, I mean, that's I think that, live. Uh, yeah, it was probably before, you know, Walmart just had the ever-ending uh, <laughs> aisle of chicken and poultry and turkey. Well, it, and, it's still know. money. I mean, mm-hmm. those people are not wealthy down there, you know. And that that's protein, boy. That's good eating, mm-hmm. you know. And that's what they just had to do. I, there was no man, and they used to call him Banal. Well, that means dough in Spanish. <laughs> he goes, I'm not going to shoot him over the fence. I'm going to shoot him right there in a bar ditch. It's easier, you know. <laughs> and he, he's the one that taught me. He said, you can boil those horns for days, and they will not make good soup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. just. When did you uh, When did you first start hunting? Oh, man, since I was a kid, you know, I guess five or six. Mm-hmm. And, Your dad taught you? Yeah, my dad and uh Oh, by the time I was seven or eight, we go up home to the my grandparents' place. I had the twenty-two, and I was out there. Yeah. One of my favorite stories about that was a Thanksgiving, and uh, it was still wasn't real cold yet up there in northern Oklahoma. I was catfishing. I mm-hmm. shooting bullfrogs. I killed rabbits, mm-hmm. squirrels. I shot a pheasant with twenty-two. I ain't got a goose, and that's what we all had for Thanksgiving dinner. It's just stuff I took off that farm. Nice. That's cool. And my old granddaddy, old Jesse Shirts, man. Back then they had a party line, you know. And after that dinner, he was, he can get on that phone. Man, y'all gonna have to get off here. I gotta tell him about my grandson. We, we ate whole Thanksgiving dinner stuff he shot. <laughs> well, that made me proud. You know? Yeah, super cool. We had um um. Uh, I I know you were saying uh, you know, there was some there was there was a there was a couple people that. You know, were were inspirations for this for this book and, and things of that nature. Uh, My stepdaddy Wayne Hornsby taught me more than any person that's ever been on this planet. Okay, I mean, of course, I went into business with him. Young, he's a was an incredible machinist. He was a mechanical genius. Mm-hmm. He built things. He invented things. He did all kind of stuff like that. He's an artist. There's pictures in there of. J. Abadiah Brooks, well, he's one of the big four Texas Rangers. Mm-hmm. My stepdaddy painted that mural that hangs in the Heritage Museum. He, really? I, oh, yeah, he painted it. Y'all see his old beat-up hands. They were terrible, you know, arthritic and mm-hmm. everything. And later on in his life, you know, he couldn't do much, nothing else. He'd go back to his painting, but he got him a tennis ball, and he just drilled him a hole through it. 
stick his paintbrush in there, and he could, it was easier for him to hang on to it. He didn't paint like that. Wow. <laughs> Through a tennis ball. Yeah, he just that tennis just, ball is easier to hang on than. Oh, what a creative solution. Right okay. up the artistic alley. That's yeah. all he did is invent things. I mean, he never made a nickel off of them, but he made all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Automatic tamale maker and all kinds <laughs> of things. Oh, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> Automatic tamale maker? <laughs> so, you, so you mean the, uh, uh, the, the, the Hispanic mom doesn't have to do it anymore? <laughs> Said you could make more tamales than six of them could. You know, it, you just all you had to do was crank it and push that masa and the, the back in the middle of it mm -hmm. out there, and you just snip them and wrap it, you know? Yeah. There was another fella involved in that old Cadillac Doug Fowler. He's a Cadillac I, Doug Fowler. Th th that country, th it's just not that big. You know, there's not that many people down there. How they got that many characters in one place, I don't know. It's like they put a sign up. You know, if you got, you know, if you somebody crazy, come on, stop here. But those people were so good. You know, mm -hmm. fifty years ago, like that, it's like dove hunting. Well, in my day, that was a social event. You know, they didn't have cell phones, nothing like that. They started to get them CBs. It was funny. I was just telling somebody about that. I was just <laughs> talking to someone on the phone. I was like, it's so wild how could, like, about the, the facts of phones. It's like, we didn't have them back, you know, all this time ago, as soon as I used to get home from school, mom, I'm gone, going to Trevor's house, going to Gabe's, and I'd be on my bike with the crew mm -hmm. until nine o'clock at night, mm -hmm. you know, just gone. And now it's kind of like people are like, hey, uh, can you send me your location so I know when you're going to be here in seven <laughs> minutes? Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, dude, what kind of crap is that? <laughs> it's, I think it's just absolutely ludicrous. But I know that technology is good, and it's uh, it's it's good for the you know. But I don't like being tracked on my every move. I, that's just weird to me. Oh yeah, but and like fellow like me, because I'm a lot older, you know. And believe me, my analytical and critical thinking skills were forged in steel way before this technology come about. Mm -hmm. So I'm still kind of yeah, about if you about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I hadn't been on that social media, but two or three months it's all oh, you got to do that if you're going to sell a book I don't know, okay <laughs> first day i got out. a warning and i said okay you can't say that and i said all right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. they be doing weird stuff taking your post down for wild stuff i mean it's like what do you mean i can't tell that it's just it's the exact reason why you put the book out mm -hmm. it's because you want the truth to be put out and they're trying to stop us mm -hmm. and they're trying to stop us from that well they're not going to stop this thing it's going to go uh like I said, my buddy right now, he's hooked up with some big people. And, mm -hmm. and like I said, they're going to be watching me, you know, see what I want to do. I've been talking to some of them already. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of those hunting podcasts that I'll end up on. Yeah, Charlie, oh, Charlie, he told me he said, a while back, he said, Pat, just put on your gas mask and follow my vapor trail. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Charlie. You know? mm -hmm. yeah, of course, he tells people about me and everything. And, I, I'd have never got off the ground if it wasn't for him. You know? So he, yeah, he was the one who kind of urged you into doing it, right? Mm -hmm. And like I said, look here, I've got his dad gum. That was that's his book. That was probably ten years ago, and it was a lot of years before he ever got it published. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I mean, th there's notes in there and stuff, and he's changing things, and you can see it all written this, and, mm -hmm. you know. But I've had this like ten years, you know. Yeah. That was that first copy, and then of course. He got the first one, and then this new outfit, the who printed my book, is that's the same people. This was a mm -hmm. different one. This reprint, oh, it's really good. Got more pictures, and there was stuff left out in the other one. And, and uh, but no, it's it, yeah, old Charlie. He's something else. So, so talk about maybe what is uh, what's one of the biggest struggles that you had in this book? What's what's one of the biggest things that was like a, an obstacle you had to overcome in this book? Well, it, was it is it was it more of a, okay oh, yeah, it, oh, my bad that's a question it, it wasn't writing the book and had any problem with that mm -hmm. it was afterwards what are we gonna do you know okay and like I said I got my little buddy and he edited and I said hell I'll put your name on front of the book oh no 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 <laughs> and so he said put this do you read how it's edited edited by an innocent bystander <laughs> so well you chicken you know yeah right right yeah no but that, I told that's a little touch of humor, though. Yeah, well, that's and that's what a lot of it's about. I'm hoping people would laugh, you know, mm -hmm. 
Because it was funny to me. Some of the well, you've always been a riot. Every time I talk to you, you're always making me laugh and cut up. We're always having a great time. So I mean, I know I've read I've read a little bit of of some of the stories in the front, but I mean, I can't wait to dive into the rest of them. Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, like you said, if your friends are saying, I can hear you talking. Yeah, I hear you talking in, in your words. You know, I, I'm, I'm excited I to read the rest. Is what I am. I just. I just write like I talk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, funny how that works out, right? Yeah. <laughs> How'd you get into outlaw hunting? How did that? Well, and like I said, 1972, I kind of had a rough life. Yeah. You know, uh, my mother and dad uh, split up when I was young. And I mean, I went from the penthouse to shithouse overnight, didn't know why, mm -hmm. you know. And so I kind of grew up tough. I, everybody was supposed to, I was supposed to be a big athlete. And that my dad was right square up my rear. That's all he wanted me to do: play football, baseball, everything. You know. And uh, we kind of had a falling out when I was about 15, and I just said, "I'm done." And I let my hair grow, and only made him mad. But when I got out of high school, I went to California, go surf and chase girls, and mm. that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. And I was having a ball out there. It's a dream world out there. Until me and this fella from Tennessee, I wasn't real fond of. He 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 crossed the line with me, mm. and we had an altercation. And I can tell you right now, if you're gonna get in a fist fight, put some damn clothes on first, okay? Because <laughs> I ended up with a lot of lot of cuts in my body, uh -huh. almost 200 stitches in my butt. Wow. And I needed some place to heal. I mean, they should have gave me blood. I lost way too much. Oh wow. And I ended up in Foul Fears, Texas, my mama, and she had met Wayne, and they just they just got married. And he became my best friend. Yeah. You know? He liked to hunt and fish. I mean, I was sitting there laying there for a month on that couch, and he'd tell me all these hunting stories about these people and stuff. And it seemed like that whole posse that I ran it was just, with. It was interesting to you. Man, I knew him before I even got to go out there and really meet him. Uh -huh. you know? And uh, just the hijinks and stuff that they done, the crazy things. And like I said, back then, people, it was a game. Yeah. That's all it was. It was yeah, I was gonna, that's, what, that's what I was going to ask you earlier. Tell us about the cat and mouse game between you and the sheriffs and all that. And that, you and, yeah. that was that was the funnest part of it all. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, those guys enjoyed chasing us, too. Mm -hmm. It's I mean, an adrenaline we, rush, you know, I can imagine. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it is. It's just a complete yeah. adrenaline rush. And when, once you're over that fence... Well, they, that adrenaline just keeps pumping off For sure. mm -hmm. the whole time. You know? For sure. And uh, like I said, back then in those days, Texas Parks and Wildlife wasn't centralized yet. Mm -hmm. And there was 151 counties in the state. Well, if a game law was violated, they told Austin, that, this is our county. <laughs> you know, we'll take care of it. Go yeah. ahead, Scram. Yeah. Got and, this. and they take you to courthouse. Okay, it's going to be $125, and you're in trouble. Okay, thank you. And you that, go right back it, it, if you were caught hunting on someone else's property? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it, it was nothing. Yeah. And now it's a little slap on the finger, not even rest. <laughs> now they'll put you in prison. Take everything you got. Wow. And I know how it happened and why it happened. Well, how how did it happen? Why did it happen? Nineteen eighty three when they changed that law. Yeah. They said, No, they don't belong deer don't belong to me and you anymore. They belong yeah. to the landowner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was very beneficial for those people in South Texas and all them big ranches. Yeah. Because they can't raise cattle. Right. They they ain't worth a damn. Yeah. You know, I mean, the Santa Gertrudes breed, you know. You think a lot of these ranches are just most of their income now is, is letting people pay to come hunt on their land? I ain't no thinking about oh, it. I know is. it. Well, I drove around the Santa Gertrudes was almost 40-some miles, and I never saw a cow. Yeah. I've never been able to do that in my life, and I did that just two weeks ago. Never saw a cow. Usually, there are red cows everywhere. Yeah. Well, what's he telling you, you know? Yeah. All you got to do is follow the money. Mm-hmm. And you think that's part of a, you think that's a big part of the reason the law got changed? Is I know it big, is. I big, know uh, it is. Yeah. Big money in it. Plus, there's yeah. probably a shit ton of property taxes on they're paying too. So that's it's like, why they keep enough cattle to maintain the livestock. Stock, that does. Yep. Yep. You ready for this? The King Ranch, the greatest ranch in Texas, they make more money off their turf grass business out of Florida than they do beef cattle, and supposed to be the best, biggest ranch in the wow. state. Crazy. Sod grass. So y'all y'all weren't just hunting deer and shit. Y'all were y'all were hit shooting some some bulls and stuff too. No, the bull nail guys. Just oh. that's a Indian antelope. It's big. Oh. King Ranch brought them in there. Uh, I think about the twenties or something like that. They actually came from zoo stock, mm -hmm. and they were thinking they're gonna be another beef animal, you know, because they are big. 
but and people say, oh, they're great. Well, I, I've eaten. You know, I don't like to eat something. The more you chew it, the bigger it gets. Yeah. You know. I, well, last, there's an old saying. It's like, how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. You no, know, the last big one I killed, that one with Charlie, that's in both those books. Uh -huh. I took it to Corey Littlefield's meat locker. I said, grind the damn thing up and put it in one-pound packages. I got mm -hmm. 414 packages back. Jeez. Wow. And Jeez. I put that in a deep freeze, and every night I'd pull one of them out and, you know, get the paper off of them, mm -hmm. take axe, break it in half, and I give them two Labradors of meat popsicle. Oh, yeah. a treat. And they love it. And they love oh, it. Boy, they oh, look they good that year, too, man. Their old skin, <laughs> that hide with black and shiny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, mm -hmm. they ate a lot of nail guy. I didn't want it. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of crazy, too, because, you know, they, they could shoot you. They can shoot you for being out there shooting on their land. They can shoot you. That's part. Isn't that part of the fun of the risk, though? I think that's part well, of that adrenaline rush. You know, it's believe me. That's part of that history that they've swept up. Yeah. And, and there's a story in there. Wow. And I'm going to tell you about El Sal's. Yeah. And it's just a real simple. El Sal's is close to a Mansfield, mm -hmm. Fort Mansfield, way down there, Willacy County. And in 1936, a man is son they jumped the fence to get him a deer mm -hmm. they's hungry well they never came out wow oh damn now the citizens there they knew what happened mm. they said the king ranch fence riders killed him yep and they was going to go into that ranch a good mob of them and burn the ranch house down and they even got the governor involved he sent a, a dang texas ranger down there to ferret it out but he said there was no foul play involved mm never was wow. resolved wow but those two men are gone that boy and his daddy they never found the bodies or nothing he probably knew Holy something shit. about it he, oh. was, uh, he probably knew exactly what happened but you can't tell the people that now now don't put the time period there when was it right in the middle of the depression and nobody had nothing it was just trying to get something to eat yeah you're right i've got a story in there and it's got a picture of my great uncle zenas that that girl drew it's remarkable he coming out of that ranch and man, he looked up at him, Falcaro's face to face with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they had a stare down. I'm not gonna ruin the story. You're gonna have to read it. Well, yeah. if somebody did want to read it, how would they get get to it? What would they need to do? My website. Yeah. What's your website? Same as the book. www.beforethestoriesarelost.com. Mm -hmm. Nice. And my got my my webmaster. He like the metadata guy. What do yeah. they call it? metadata? Is that it? Or that stuff oh. they mine and stuff? You yeah, know. Metadata. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Well, he knows how to do that, too. Yeah. He got Google knows right who I am now. Yeah. <laughs> you type that in there, boop, it's right there. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. What, yeah, was your, what, was your, what was your favorite chapter to write? Because I, know, because I know you have a lot of them in there, and you have a lot that uh, you, you tell a lot. Yeah. So which one was your favorite one to write? If you, if you can just you know, talk on it. I, I mean, they all have their own special meaning to me, but the ones about those men that are gone. Yeah. Some of the hijinks that they did, it was just, you know, it was crazy. I mean, the twenty-five twenty about that rifle. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no telling how many deer that gun killed. And it's a pretty good story. And uh, they, uh, <laughs> when he Wayne went to war, that is his buddy told him, he said, you know, you're going to get killed. You know, you ain't coming back. So you need to leave me that damn rifle. Well, Wayne made it through the war. He come back. But Ellis kept the rifle, but they just kept on shooting deer with it. Said it was the best 100-yard road gun there ever was. Old lever action Winchester 2520. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Like, all, very interesting stuff. All of this, all of this is, man. I could imagine, too, because like, I've jumped a few fences on some cattle, but not for hunting. I was hunting for something else, little mushrooms and cow patties. <laughs> and uh, we used to do that in high, back in high school, man, in Tennessee all the time. And honestly, Maybe more, sometime in the early 20s, too. And I might have done it here in, in my early 20s. Um, but honestly, that was the most fun out of it. Like, the trip was fun and everything. Uh but like sneaking around at night, knowing we're on the property, knowing that at any time like we could get spotted and they could shoot at us. I've been chased by a couple, couple ranchers, um, so I, I could only imagine too doing the same to go hunting and stuff as well. I knew once I jumped that fence, 
they were not going to catch me. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. on foot. They didn't right. have a chance. Right. I mean, I was young. I mean, I yeah. was spry. I could jump like a gazelle and run mm-hmm. fast. No, they weren't going to catch me. Well, you got me. two pictures of you jumping on the front side and the back side, so I believe you when you say you're a jumper. <laughs> well, that's really, I'd go over there like that a lot, but usually I'd, if I'd hit that fence post one hand, I'd just scissor because mm-hmm. I'd be running parallel to that fence. Just go over there. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. yeah, yeah, I was, it was fun. But there's a little boy in there, and, and uh, he's my stepdaddy's half-brother. And the same daddy, but different mama. Because mm-hmm. Wayne's mama died when he was young, and he remarried. And old Fred Hornsby, you know, he was my hunting buddy. And, buddy, there's never been a better wheel man than him. I mean, I felt as safe as a, my, in my mother's arms knowing he was picking me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he'd do anything he had to do. You know, yeah. get somebody get on him or stuff. He had to go change vehicles. Yeah. You know, he. You know, we we always had stuff. What if things scenarios? Right. We knew what we're going to do, and we just started thinking like you know. Yeah. And I, I never forget there towards the last. It's probably about 80, 81. And we went out. He said, "I need some meat." And I said, "Well, let's go kill one." So we rode out 285, going towards Revere, and we kind of made the road, make sure it was clear. Mm-hmm. Was fixing the spotlight. So you put your gun out, and hide it. Because you don't want to get caught with that gun and the light in the car at the same time. Yeah, that's not yeah. good. Yeah, you, know, you can't spotlight have it. Honey. That's yeah. called where deer and on the room, you can't have a spotlight and a gun. Well, you got a spotlight, you know, then you just, you're okay, right? Well, we're sitting out there, and I said, well, the road looks pretty clear, Fred. You ready to light it up? And about that time, he bought one of these dang police scanners. And I, I thought that was the biggest CBI I ever saw. Yeah. So what the hell is that thing? He said, it's a police scanner. And that thing went off. And all of a sudden, we're here in King Ranch Security. We got a guy on 141. He's heading that way. Oh, wow. So y'all were, y'all were able to... Dude. Y'all were beating the ones who were trying to find y'all. Fred had the crystals for four different county sheriff's departments. Mm-hmm. He had King Ranch Security crystal. He had the game wardens crystals. What do you mean crystals? Look, for those CBs, you could hear their dang conversations uh, on that scanner. Yeah, wow. That's and crazy. about that time... The, somebody from Clayburg says, we're calling Jim Wells in Brooks County so they could come from, you know, up from the south and down from the mm-hmm. north to block that road off because they were chasing those guys down to the west on mm-hmm. 41. I looked over there at Fred and I said, hell, Fred, this is cheating. You know, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we're supposed to be playing a game here. And I said, man, <laughs> hell, we know where they're at. I said, this ain't fair. And he just laughed. Yeah, because yeah, y'all are winning now. <laughs> now y'all are freaking winning, man. Well, Fred and I are the only two that retired undefeated. So that means we won every time. We never got caught. We're nice. the only ones that. Yeah, I was going to ask. Okay, so since y'all, since you never got caught, what was the one of the more, what was one of the closest times that you did get caught? Where, how many close calls did you get, uh, as, did you escape with? Uh, well, I've, you know, I've had my share, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, they get after you, like I said, but if I was in that ranch, you know, on foot. Mm-hmm. They weren't touching you? No, they weren't no. going to find me, you know, huh? Because I just get deeper and deeper, and I cut and go someplace where we knew he could pick me up. Right. right. And, uh, but, I mean, you know, I had most of the time is on on the road where you got interdicted, and that was what was fun, you know, because – the game board's going to try to get you to, you know, admit that you're doing something. Mm-hmm. Well, of course. Well, they get you to admit everything, you know? Well, yeah, they ain't going to get nothing out of me, and they dang sure wasn't getting out of Fred. A fish can't even not get caught if he keeps his mouth closed. I yeah. know. I know, boy, and he's in that book, in a Wilford Boston. Now, everybody, whole life, his name's Woostel. I mean, everybody called him Woostel, but it's pronounced Wastel, according okay. to his wife, Mary Ann, you know. But old Wooster, he was out to ride and rode David one day and his two boys, mm-hmm. Buddy and Shane. Well, hell, Shane was probably three-corner diapers. He couldn't have been three or four years old standing up in the mm-hmm. back seat. Right? They get pulled over by the game warden. And the game warden said, I got me something. You know, I work on these kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kids like that. They never said They never <laughs> opened their mouth once. Them boys been trained, you know. Right, right, right. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Cause y'all could, are, this is family. This is family it, hobbies now. Yeah, it yeah. was just a dead gum game. But they took the fun away from it when they changed that law. You know. Mm-hmm. And I said when I quit, I said, "You ain't doing this no more." You always cook what you kill. It's mm-hmm. good. It's oh good. yeah, man. We did not leave meat in the field. Right. You know? But I ain't one of those people said that they like venison liver because it's too sweet and I don't like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Now I like me some pork liver. 
much better than calf liver. I don't think I've ever enjoyed a piece of liver. I don't like liver. I don't think I've ever enjoyed a piece <laughs> well, of liver. That's just what. me personally. Now I'm not saying everyone else doesn't, but pork liver is much better than beef liver, and they can't. You can't buy it. I, I guess I, they put it in dog food. When I say I when know. I say enjoy, I meant like I've never. I don't think I've even tried the liver. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think I don't think I've. I think maybe there was one like a one time where I've had. Like, uh, I think my stepdad ordered some liver and onions from somewhere, and I, I was always like, wait, Ew. yeah, that's me, but that's my stepdaddy. So it must be something from, like, he was like, oh, no, and he, he'll swear by it. He's like, no, liver and onions, mm. you know? Most people cook it too much, and that's how it comes. Oh. It gets tough and nasty and dry. Okay. My mama, and I still got her. She's 99. She can make it wow. right. Oh, wow. yeah. How blessed is this? The other day, I gave her... A copy of my book. Mm -hmm. I'm 60. My 99 year old mother read my book. That's amazing. I took a picture of it and I posted. Yeah, man, what, a, what an awesome moment! What but an I, awesome but moment! But I put a footnote down there and I said, "Family member, friend, or foe that tells my mama that I posted this, she's gonna beat me with a wooden spoon." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she would, boy. Yeah. She don't like that stuff. But and then she called me two days later, laughing her. Just laughing out loud. I told you that snake was going to crawl down that toilet. Yeah. And that's in the book, too. <laughs> and she can't hear. And I said, Mama, Mama, you know, she said, I can't hear you, but I just want you to know I'm proud of you. Awesome. That's I just cool. won the game right there. Man, that's seriously. Cool. If I got to have a book burning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Well, no, I mean, that, that right there is awesome. The fact that she, she was able to, to see this product that you put out and how much work you put into it. And I'm sure she's... I mean, I'm sure she's heard plenty of these stories also from you before, right? Well, yeah, but Mama did remark. She said, I didn't know you was that ornery. <laughs> I said, Mama, I can't tell you everything. <laughs> no, my Mama has been in the car with me loading the dang deer in the trunk of her car before. Yeah, nice. Oh, yeah. So yeah. What, what are some golden nuggets you would give to some uh, people that are wanting to, to if they were wanting to get into hunting or something like that if someone well, was forget new. doing what i used to do yeah because you're gonna go to jail yeah for a long time yeah. i mean you just can't do it anymore mm -hmm. i mean they didn't have cell phones they didn't have all that stuff they got now now they got motion sensors out there in that ranch yeah. have you ever moved about yeah. there on a four-wheeler quick i bet oh boy yeah I mean, you, you just, you know, it's foolish. Mm -hmm. you know, I recommend don't nobody do this. I think it's a time gone by, and that's what I said in that introduction, you know. Yeah. I was just fortunate to be there when I did, when it was a game. Right. Yeah. And, well, yeah, it was. Uh, one it, of the most uh, graphic memories I have in my whole life was when I killed my first deer and skinning that thing. That was, I'll never forget it. Like, it is the most, like, the most graphic, mem one of the most graphic memories I've ever had. But it was a great feeling. Oh, yeah. It was a great feeling. And when I was eating it, like, because uh, we, we would cook it, too. Like, we made venison chili with it, mm -hmm. and it was, it was fucking delicious. And it mm -hmm. was, like, just the whole like the whole thought of, like, I killed this. That mm -hmm. was, it was, it was dope. That's bred into us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, as much as right. this new world generation don't want us to be hunters and gatherers, right. I'm sorry, that DNA is still in there. Right. We are hunters and gatherers. Yeah, yeah. that's what we do. Well, that's the yeah. other thing, dude, is, like, people... <laughs> Let alone, I mean, fuck outlaw hunting. People are like against hunting now. Like, hell, the hunting's bad. Yeah. That's bad. The deer like, has feelings. We gotta eat, guys. <laughs> we gotta eat. Like, that's you um, know, that's what they were there for. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. And and then we just took advantage of it because I mean, the people were poor down there. You right. Know? And man, deer go a long way. Feed a family. For, yeah. You know. And, yeah. So and uh, believe me, I shot many of them for somebody else. You know, mm -hmm. they said, "Man, we should like to have a deer." And I said, "Hey, I go get you one." I go get him one, bring it back, hang it up, and I'll take it from here. You want your horns? I said, "No, they're just going to end up out there on a horn pile." I said, "Keep them." <laughs> so, so, them. so if somebody did want to grab the book and uh, and read, oh, if someone did want to grab the book and read these stories, uh, you know, how much are you charging for the book for the people that are watching? Oh. Uh, I'm flat rate mail them and those medium mail mm -hmm. uh, they cop for 30 bucks 30 bucks yeah and if mm -hmm. they want it priority uh, well the postal service just went up I mean, mm -hmm. it's hurting me right now I and mean, everybody's ordering the thing priority because I had them for 35 but I'm going to have to go to 37 what a nice problem to have well I mean it's just you know I mean I hate charging that but I, you know I I kind of got that little budget that I'm trying to make because mm -hmm. you know what I'm trying to do right, right, right. I'm trying to support my daughter's school 
mm-hmm. and, and 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 we got dreams. And didn't you say some of the portions of the book goes to your daughter's school as well? A dollar for every copy of that book and go to the Oasis Children's Foundation. The Oasis yes. Children's Foundation and, and the Oasis Academy, her okay. school for autistic children. Awesome, awesome. Mm-hmm. And I and and there's a whole page in the back side of the book that talks about, you know, uh, the school and everything that uh, and. and and I'm sure one page doesn't do it justice, but I know it's gonna, it's very moving. It's well, a, it's a moving piece. Like I told you when I got here, I said, I, I, you know, when I helped her edit it and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, of course she wrote it. That's her. Yeah. And I saw it, and I, you know, like I can't read it now because I'll break down and cry. I, it, mm-hmm. I, twice, I just, I'm big enough man to admit it. I just get choked up, and I can't take it. You know, it's just too close. Yeah. yeah. Having a. You know, having a niece 40 years, nonverbal and everything, and seeing what it did, you know, their family's life and everything. Well, now that 40-year-old girl and my 77-year-old sister live with my 99-year-old mother. And so, you know, it's, what are we going to do down the road? And that's that's what what concerns me. And we're going to just see what we can do. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's all you, uh, that's really what you can do. You just have to have a mission and go get after it. I don't think there's ever going to be a, a point where it's like, okay, now we're done. It's one of those things that's continuously going to keep building and building. And it's like those those grandsons of mine. I mean, I raised two girls, and damn, they're expensive. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> but they blessed me with four grandsons. Yeah, man, they ain't nothing better than that. And they think Papa, he's something else, you know. Well, but when they got to know him, Papa, Papa looked like Santa Claus. You know, <laughs> I weighed 350 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, I just. Well, then I shucked all that weight Mm -hmm. and started going to the gym because I'm trying to teach them boys you can do any damn thing. You put your mind to it. There you go. There you go. Well, this is just another way of something. See, you can do this too. There's nothing you can't do if you put your mind to it. Awesome. And that's what I want to make teach those kids, you know, Mm -hmm. is that, you know, if you've got something in life you want to do, push that other crap out of the way and get after it. (laughs) Pull the trigger on it. There you go. Pull the trigger on it. And uh, because. People just want to lay back and ah, it's too much trouble and stuff, you know. If they knew how Man, much fun that was going to be. The more, the more we, I feel like, as, as spe- specifically as men, it's like as we get, as we are getting older and we get more responsibility, it doesn't get easier. You just get stronger and you carry more bags mm-hmm. and you get more responsibility. And that's how you know we etch our names in, in, uh, in society. Mm-hmm. You know. But bet it was pretty rewarding when you finished the book and. Yeah. His his, bu- his buzz hasn't stopped. Yeah. His buzz ha- his yeah, has not been, gone off. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm still kind of floating from time to time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but of course now my phone's starting to blow up all the time and I'm you know, I'm meeting these people, mm-hmm. you know, I've been talking to some pretty pretty big people in the podcasting right. industry, you know, and because of Charlie. I mm-hmm. mean it's yeah. it's Charlie's the only reason they'd have found out about me. Yeah. And so I mean I owe everything to him, but I'm I wanted him to have some validation. Because people didn't believe these stories. And I'm telling you, that man did this stuff. <laughs> like I said, mm-hmm. I was getting after action reports. You know, it was crazy. Right. You know? He'd come back in from a two-week hunt or something. And at one time, he, well, I had to help him. And they barely got him out. And dead mm-hmm. gum buck wasn't dead, and he was trying to cut his neck. And that sucker threw his horn Oof. and hit him right here. Uh-uh. It knocked him cold as a wedge, busted. He was 10 or 12 miles deep in the Kennedy Ranch. Oh, man. And they got him out bleeding like, I knocked him plumb out. But, buddy, if that horn had been an inch lower, it had gone right, gone right in his brain. Killed mm-hmm. him. Uh, Is that in here? Is that? Oh, that's that's his story. Okay. You know, okay. That's his story. No, I just was, when he got out, I kind of had to help nurse him a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. But, uh, mm-hmm. like I said, when we... When I quit, of course, he just was getting wound up, you know, really. Mm-hmm. I was I was doing it for five years before he showed up. And then he showed up, and he, Doc said, just took it to another level. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know, we just stood back in awe and watched him, you know. But I couldn't go do that because I right. couldn't leave the meat. You know, I yeah. just, that's not the way I was, I was taught. You know? Yeah. Well, uh, you know. As much as I enjoy listening to the stories, man, we that hour flew by. It did. That hour flew by. 
as much as I, 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 and that's why I'm saying I'm happy I have the book so I yeah. can continuously to well, hear yeah. these stories. Well, I've got one here, potting here too. Absolutely, man. Thank absolutely. You. Thank you. you know, I, I know he was excited to have you on here too, man. And I mean, like I was telling you, I've been wanting to get you on, and oh, yeah. you know, I'm happy that you were able to make it. Yeah, I, I, of course, we looked. My daughter was looking at y'all's Facebook, and mm -hmm. wow, these people got people following them. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was so, funny. Well, I mean, even like last night, I, you know, at one of our events, uh, or at the event mixed messages um i was standing outside smoking a cigarette drinking a beer girl walks up hey you're the podcast guy and i was like oh man that's awesome that is that is wonderful yes i am how can i help you know well i'm not too sure if i want to be a celebrity but i guess it's going to be too late now to pop you sell a book people gonna find out you're already you on the show yeah. bro it's too late yeah it's too late man. like i said this is my first Absolutely, rodeo yeah. well hey pat like i said hey I, we really appreciate you coming out and oh like man I said, it was my pleasure and i said i appreciate the opportunity to come here and talk to you guys 100 percent. and i oh can i say one thing bro? please Please. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I think it was, there's a bar in Santa Fe. It's called Daryl's Place. And it's pretty rough. Uh -huh. Most time there's a motorcycles parked out there. Yeah. And, you know, people think, oh, I'm motorcycle guys, you know, vast colors and stuff. Mm -hmm. But those guys worked their butt off, and they held an autism awareness festival. Mm. And they put on a whole big old deal. There was booths. They had an auction. And buddy, about three days later, they came to my daughter's school and handed her a check for $8,000. Wow. Don't ever judge somebody by what they look like. Wow. Because those people got good hearts. And I shout out to Daryl's place, man. I mean, yeah. I hope the damn place gets so full he can't serve everybody. Yeah. <laughs> no, what, what an awesome move, you know? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that kind of judge them for being uh, more maybe like uh, they good rough people. crowd. They, they good people. They got See, good hearts. You know? That's what it's about. Mm -hmm. That's we got to start right. helping one another again. That's you know? what that's that's what has stopped. You know, people are selfish now. There's a lot of people who don't want to do it for the greater good of people. They're like, "What can I do? How can I gain out of this person instead of how can I help this person?" Exactly. And you know, it's a, you partly sell your soul for that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But whatever the case is, man. Pat, we had a great time uh, with you on the show, thanks man. Thanks very much. Man, I absolutely really enjoyed it. That was a great episode. Hey, I appreciate well. the hell out of it, man. <laughs> and uh, hey, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We will uh, catch up with you all next week for another edition of H-Town Happy Hour. Number one podcast in the world. Let's in go. the world, baby. <laughs>